Hey, KU basketball fans, this is Kansas City Star sports writer Blair Kirkhoff. Check out the new KUHoops.com to keep up to date on everything Kansas basketball. KUHoops.com has in-depth analysis from the Star's award-winning sports writing team, as well as news on recruiting, game previews, video highlights, and much more. KUHoops.com will keep you updated on Coach Bill Self as he tries to take the Jayhawks to their 13th straight Big 12 regular season title and into the NCAA tournament. Go to KUHoops.com now on your PC or mobile device. Welcome back to the Sports Beat KC podcast. This is Jesse Newell, KU Beat reporter for the Kansas City Star. I'm joined once again this week by CJ Moore of Bleacher Report. CJ, how you doing this week? Jesse, doing well. Ready for Thanksgiving to get here. How are you doing? Uh, it's crazy that it's already here. I, I feel like I uh, just got into November and now we're toward the back half of November, but it also it, it should make sense because it's basketball season and it's Champions Classic season, and that's what mostly we're going to talk about in today's episode is KU 77-75 victory over number one Duke in the Champions Classic on Tuesday. Uh, I, I guess I always open up like this, CJ. First impressions, first thoughts after this game where KU improves to 1-1. One and one. I know I had predicted that KU would start 0-2 way back in whatever it was, <laughs> September. We were both wrong. Yeah, that didn't, that didn't happen. But just first impressions from that game and, and what you saw from KU against Duke. It was just such a weird game, the way it played out in the first half. And then you finally got to see a glimpse of what KU can really be this year when, you know, when the Jayhawks are rolling once, you know, a stretch where, where Josh Jackson was playing really well and they were defending and everything was going well. But one one thought I have coming out of that game, it I think the, the, the best thing for, for KU look, going forward is the fact that I almost think losing to Indiana was kind of a blessing in disguise because I felt like KU in that game. And what surprised me was like, I think KU has the best perimeter defense in the country. Like the combination of Graham, Mason, Jackson, Vic and Svee. Like, I don't think you can find five better, a group of five better perimeter defenders on any team than that, than that group. And they played pretty crappy defense against Indiana and was just, you know, not really locked in. We're kind of casual. And I, I think, you know, maybe they went into that game with kind of mentality, oh, we can score with these dudes, whatever, you know, feeling pretty good about themselves. And that was what surprised me in that game was like the defense was just pretty mediocre. But in the Duke game early on, didn't defend great. But as as the game kind of got, you know, as as you got into that game, and they got into the rhythm of the game. They really started defending well. And, you know, really what Duke does, similar to Indiana, is they want to spread you out, break you down off the dribble, make you help, and, you know, for, get, get threes. And, and Duke was able to do a little bit of that. But really I thought Duke, Kansas did a pretty good job of defending on the perimeter against a team that's, that's really, really talented on the perimeter. And so that was probably the best thing I think going forward is is KU kind of started to find its identity here in the second game. Yeah, and you make a great point about the defense. Probably going to be overlooked a little bit because of Frank Mason's shot at the end, and you know the flash from Josh Jackson he showed in the second half. But uh, you're right. I mean, the the ability to slide and stay in front of defenders and. Frank Mason and, and Devontae Graham already coming back off of being on the all-Big 12 defensive team a year ago. Add that to Josh Jackson. Add that to the quick twitch of LeGerald Vick and then the, the length of, of Svee Mikhailuk. You know, that we, we talked in the preseason about how this could be a really, really good defensive team. And like you said, against Indiana, it just didn't show. So uh, the, the big story to me when you're looking at it from the defensive aspect, again, Duke 
I think by all accounts is going to be expected to be the number one offense in the nation before everything's said and done just because of the way they play, the way they spread you out, the talent they have. And again, missing yeah. missing three of their pieces, which was a big deal, but uh, 1.03 points per possession for Duke in this game. That's a great mark for KU's defense. I mean, again, we can talk about Mason, we can talk about Josh Jackson. The real story of this game was that KU's defense shut down what is and probably will be the top nation in the or the top offense in the nation come this the rest of this season. Yeah, and I mean, we don't want to get I don't want to go get too into to Duke's team, and I wrote about this um in, in my preview, but uh, you know, Duke's best offense, honestly, when once um. Jason Tatum gets back will be playing him at the four and kind of playing small but Duke has like so much depth on the interior if they are able to get healthy that I'm like while they have like a ton of offensive talent by them playing big I'm not entirely sure they'll be the best offensive team they can be but they can be a lot better defensively than they've been you know in in recent history so you know Duke's kind of got some things to figure out it's it's almost going to be harder for Duke to figure itself out once they get all those players than it is now you know right now they pretty much have a good idea of what they are just because of (laughs) they're they're limited to playing six guys but um you know what kansas beat last night was still probably a top 10 team you know even even though they only have six guys like that's still probably a a, a top 10 team so no shame in in you know beating those guys without the, the the three freshmen they had so I, I think it was an, an impressive win, and I'm, I, I'm getting off track. I, I don't even know where I where I was going with this to start, Jesse. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, here the thing about it is, if you look at Duke, and Duke was still a two point favorite, so you talk about this being an impressive win. I mean, KU was the underdog. I, I know we could throw around the word upset maybe a little bit too much in mm-hmm. college basketball, especially when you're on another team's home court. But I'd consider this an upset. You know, I expected Duke to win this game, but Grayson Allen. That, to me, is the big story. You know, 4 for 15 from the floor, 1 for 7 from 3, 12 points. He's had a few bad Champions Classic games in a row now, but, I mean, this is one of the frontrunners for National Player of the Year. And, again, KU, using that rotation of defenders, LeGerald Vick was on him, Devontae Graham was on him, Frank Mason was mm-hmm. on him. All those guys rotated, and did, did a great job. And then, you know, Frank Jackson, he had 11 points on 3 for 5 shooting, but he had bigger offensive performances previously as well. So I think it gets to your point that this could be a very dangerous team for KU, not only offensively because of its backcourt, but defensively because of its backcourt. Because, again, this was no puds that, that KU was facing in the backcourt when you're looking at a guy like Grayson Allen, who is going to be one of the favorites for National Player of the Year. And yeah, when when you look at the potential of, of you know maybe these teams playing again down the road, if if, if that happens in a Final Four or a national championship, like everyone's going to point to this and say, oh, they didn't have their full team, yada yada yada. But the the way KU beat Duke last night is the way I think you know they would have a chance in in a with against Duke at, at full strength because staying in front of Grayson Allen is really really hard <laughs> like there's a reason that dude averages 20 plus points a game and was ridiculously efficient last year because he can shoot the three and he, he can usually get to the rim pretty much whenever he wants like he has this pretty amazing ability you know kind of like a Frank Mason in a way to basically be going at the rim full full speed and throw up like these feathery shots that that you know just find a way to go in so he's really 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 hard to guard and KU pretty much took him away and Frank Jackson's kind of a similar player in a way and really you know until he hit those two threes late he was you know he was pretty much non-existent in that game and, and, and KU really took him away so 
you know, I, I think Kansas showed something, even though those other you know dudes weren't out there. And 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 let me tell you, like Jason Tatum is a stud. Like he might be the best. He might be one of the best scores in college basketball. But KU's going to have a guy in Josh Jackson that will be able to match up pretty well with him. So I I, I like you know how KU will be able to match up with just about any team. And the one luxury KU had last night that didn't have against Indiana is. Indiana has they, they can put five guys on the perimeter and you have to guard them all out there you know the, I think it was it was a nice for KU that, that you didn't have to worry about Landon Lucas guarding anybody out on the perimeter you know Bragg didn't really have to go out on the perimeter too much so that that was also a thing that you know Duke was maybe a little bit easier to guard than Indiana because of that yeah just had the traditional big man uh, you know Indiana playing more I heard Tom Creed even say positionless basketball <laughs> last week which is kind of what they were doing and it's amazing with Thomas Bryant I mean that guy he would take an inbounds pass and start dribbling and drive himself so it, you know it's crazy how versatile all of Indiana's players were and like you said put a lot of pressure on KU's defense let's go ahead and get to uh let's go ahead and get to Josh Jackson uh, what did you think of this game? He's what I wrote about after the game last night. He had 15 points, 7 for 9 shooting, m- missed all four of his free throw attempts, but only played 18 minutes because of fouling out. Uh, I, to me, he's just he showed the flashes of why he's so talented. But this is a different challenge for Bill Self and staff right now because usually they don't have the guys. And I, I don't want to use the word pout. Uh, maybe that's too strong of a word. But there are times when Josh Jackson pouts, and and it's a it's emotional. It's it's yeah. a it's a different kind of emotion than you've seen from KU players in the past, and it's a different kind of player that KU's coaches are kind of having to work with right now. I mean, they're kind of playing part psychiatrist at this point. It's just not something I remember very often with with KU's coaching having to do that with, with especially with one of the top players they have on the team. Yeah, and and I don't really think it's a it's a that big of a concern going forward. Like it's his second game of his college career. He's playing a Madison Square Garden. He he gets a couple calls that like you know like the 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 slap in the ball. Out of, I mean, this really goes back. It starts with like the slap in the ball out of Emil Jefferson's hand, right? And yeah, that was really stupid. But a good official goes up to to the kid. Says, "Hey, that was stupid. Don't do, do do that. You do something like that again, I'm gonna tee you up. You don't, you don't. Boom, give him a tee. Like that's a warning. Like it's. I mean, really, how? Like, is that gonna start a fight or anything like like that? Maybe if the other kid reacts, you 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 know, you do, you do something. But I thought that was a pretty bogus call. And you know, the other foul where he he reacts, he's he's on the floor going for a loose ball, and that was his fourth foul. And you know." kind of a questionable call you're just diving for a loose ball it's his fourth foul like most players are going to react in that situation and then his fifth foul is another you know kind of bogus call where where um luke Kennard kind of does a nice acting job like to have that be your fifth foul like i i can understand where the kid's coming from like yeah he's emotional he's really really competitive which is what you heard you know about him coming in but you know, I, I just think it was kind of a circumstantial type thing where, yeah, he does. I mean, you, you, your your article was on point that he needs to be able to 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 you know kind of bring that all in and and not react too too strongly to things. And and um, I think Self did an excellent job by kind of pulling him aside. And you know, he they probably don't win if he has that doesn't have that awesome stretch in the second half. And I think Self played a part in that as he kind of wrote in your story. Um, you know. 
getting him to just relax and, and, and go play. But I, I just don't see it as, as a huge thing going forward. And I, I think you're going to start to see over these next few weeks as KU plays some, you know, just mediocre teams, him getting a comfort zone, him actually be able to play more than 18 minutes and, and really get going. I mean, what, what he showed in that, that stretch in the second half was pretty special. Like the jumpers really pleasing to see, but the drives, KU's never had a wing be able to handle the ball under Bill Self like like Josh Jackson can. And that's that's what makes him really, you know, potentially I think might have the best freshman season of anybody Self's ever had just because of the way he can handle the ball. That baseline drive he had, I mean, that is his strength. That The sooner he realizes that that is his strength, the sooner KU's going to be a really good basketball team. And, you know, you talk about the jumpers. Actually, I thought the three was a bad shot, and I thought the 18-foot jumper was a bad shot. It's one of those... No, 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 no. Yes, okay. Yeah, yeah that's kind of how you feel every time yeah, he shoots it. Yeah, <laughs> and, but but the other two, I mean, it, to me, I, I still just don't think he understands yet. And, again, part of this is being a freshman, part of this is being a kid and starting to learn to play in an offense where you there are other good players beside you. But the other two drives were good shots. I mean, he drove. He, he was aggressive to get to the lane, and he put up the right-handed floater and about from about eight feet in, and that's a good shot. And he's also in offensive rebounding position if he misses it. The next one, he drives in. Same thing. He, he gets in, gets in the lane, and it's a tough left-handed floater. But, I mean, he's going to the rim. You know he's got the advantage on that. And so uh, those shots, and the one, the baseline drive, and then the, the right-handed shot, and then the left-handed floater, all those I think were great. And then after that, it was just, again, the no, 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 yes, because the guy was just feeling so confident, and you mm-hmm. started to see him take over a game. But not only that, I mean – it is amazing, and, and this kind of takes me back to the Andrew Wiggins or even Julian Wright comparison. In that stretch, how many ways he can help you out. You know, He can grab it even as a rebound and start the break. He can get a steal and poke the ball away. Uh, you know, He can drive and, and finish with his left hand. He can drive and he can pull up. I mean, it, it's just crazy to me right now that, that, again, even the stat line doesn't show it yet, but there are so many ways he can help and so many ways he can be versatile to do things to help out the team. It's just a matter of figuring things out, and then again, it would just be a—it would be such a shame if KU lost in March, because Josh Jackson got in his own way. I mean, the guy has got to not let himself be mm-hmm. one of his biggest detriments, because the talent is there for him to take over. I think uh, Bill Self said afterwards, like you guys saw that basically, like the kid has got some God-given talent, and, and that was on display on that four minutes. It's too bad it was. Not only for four minutes rather than or 18 minutes rather than 26 or 28 if it was 26 or 28 I don't think KU I don't think that game comes down to a last second shot I think KU wins that game pretty easily yeah and you know I didn't have as those were kind of in, in a way those were no 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 jumpers just because of the way he shot the ball so far though I think he is didn't you write he's 40 percent from three so far so so not so bad but um I I don't when when you go to the rim and you get a couple buckets that way, and then you shoot jumpers, I I don't feel as bad about it as as if you start with the jumpers. Like he's the type of guy that he needs to set up his outside shot by going to the rim, and those plays, the the two shots he took back to back, you know, correct me if I'm wrong. They're either you know like one four ISOs or I think maybe one was off a ball screen or were uh, they both off ball screens? Yeah, they were both four up. It was the old Perry yeah, Ellis play. That's what I he, thought. He comes yeah. and sets the high ball screen or if in Bill Self terms, the butt screen for the, the, the guard who can either take it either direction and go drive the way he wants to and then you spread the four that way. So Bill Self called that four up play twice for Josh Jackson. Basically last mm-hmm. year it was Perry Ellis's play. Either Frank Mays can drive or he kicks it back to Perry Ellis and Perry Ellis then, you know, was so good driving to his left he could do it. But 
Bill Self was setting those plays up for Josh Jackson. So again, this is not him shooting those shots is probably not out of the flow of the offense and not something Bill Self didn't want him to do. But again, I think he wants him. It's almost to me through the first two games, I feel like Josh Jackson and Devontae Graham need to switch. <laughs> I mean, Devontae Graham pump fakes every three pointer. I, I see him, and it's just like, you know, you want to say Devontae, you know, you're you are good off the dribble. But you're great shooting the basketball. You know his his finishes at the rim low last night were special. Like he was getting up. Like he he showed me something on those. Yeah. That kind of surprised me the way he was getting up. But no, I I, but, I, I see where you're coming the, from. Yeah. Sorry. The main point, and he was one for six last night from three. So again, this is probably not the perfect night to say this. He was five for six from two. So uh, you are right. But but to me, those if I'm if I'm assessing those two players, I'm wanting Devontae Graham to take every open spot up jump shot with his feet set. I don't want him to pump fake. I want him to shoot three and make it. With Josh Jackson, with that jump shot he has, and with the driving ability he has, I want him to pump fake every three-point attempt and drive in the lane. You know what I'm saying? So you're right, though. If you set up your offense, you get confidence. If your coach is calling your play, you know, Josh Jackson said that to me afterwards. He said, you know, coach was calling my play, and he did a good job calling plays and, and getting me into the flow. That's great. And, and we saw Josh Jackson take over. I just think overall, if, if I'm the coach, I want Josh Jackson to drive. I want Devontae Graham to shoot. And it seems like those two players are kind of reversing those roles, at least at this early point in the season. Now, I, I just uh, I checked out today your your piece that you had on um, on Frank from, from after the Indiana game where, where you wrote about five up. And excellent job on that, by the way, Jesse. But, yeah. uh, <laughs> Thanks. That's why, I, that's why I have you on this podcast is just to compliment me nonstop. Just to compliment I, you. I, I, I yeah. appreciate it. <laughs> but, uh, you know, the, the the play for Jackson, the two we're talking about, are, are similar plays. I mean, it's basically, you know, you flatten the floor out, you, you come and set a ball screen, and, and he, he makes a read. No, it's CJ, it's the same play, but one is with the five position, one is with the four position. Bill exactly. Self, Bill Self makes his plays very complicated for us to understand. <laughs> I know. All right, so it's the same play. So if you go back and watch that, Jesse, what you're going to see, I mean, you broke the, the Frank one down well. Like, you know, you could see. He was he was pretty much making the right read on all of them, even when he missed like three. He's making the right read. If you go back and watch those, I'm pretty sure Jackson's making the right read on those. Like I, I think the the defenders went up under, or, or, or you know those jumpers were were open. And and it, I I kind of think about you know we we've, we've talked about his jumper so much early on, and and the, it's easy to 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 you know criticize it just because it it looks pretty funky. But there's a video out there. Um, from him in like an all-star game or, or something. I, I'm not sure what it is where he drops like 60 or something point. I, I, I can't remember how much it was like a ridiculous amount. Right. And I remember watching that video, um, you know, maybe like a year ago and he was making like jumper after jumper after jumper. So he's a, he's a type of streaky shooter where like, if he gets going and he's got the confidence, like he can make, you know, he can put together a string of jumpers. So, I just think the the important thing is is that he sets up his jumper with his drives, which is what he did last night. And and I think as long as you see that from him, when he has confidence and he you know is, is taking a couple confident jumpers, I don't think necessarily that's that's a that's such a bad thing because you know you you look at the other freshman last night who's super talented um, for for Michigan State and Miles Bridges. I don't know if you had much of a chance to watch that game, but his mentality with pretty much was drive 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 and right now they're just teams are are you know um sagging off of him and 
it's it's the game is harder for him because all he can really do is drive right now. I think the game's going to be easier for Josh Jackson if he can he can do a little bit of both. Oh yeah, one one opens up the other. I guess here this is what I'm looking at in a statistical sense. And then again, this is, you're looking at it through the Jesse Newell prism here. So I'm sorry, <laughs> I'm taking you very deep in my world uh, as we go here. Okay, we we know this about basketball. Okay, we know that spot up shots are better than shots off the dribble, and we know that the point values of three pointers are worth more than long two-point jumpers. Basically, long two-point jumpers are the worst shot you can take from a point-per-possession standpoint. So, if you're Josh Jackson, uh, again, okay, off a dribble, you're shooting a three-pointer. If you're open, okay. I mean, that's that's fine. That's that's a better option than a lot of other things. And, as well, um, I guess the only other thing I would say is, if you're counting down KU starters, he's probably third or fourth on the list out of the starters of guys I would want taking an open three-pointer. But, okay, the second one, off a dribble, 18-footer. Okay, you can say that you like that shot or you like it when in rhythm or whatever. I, it's hard for me to say that's a good shot in any circumstance from any player yeah. just because it's... it's Statistically, it, it's the worst shot in basketball. Statistically, it's the worst shot in basketball. And, you know, there's always another option. You can pass the ball. You know what I mean? Like, just, just because Bill Self calls for it doesn't mean that Josh Jackson has to shoot on a particular play. There's plenty of times Frank Mason tries to drive, can't do it, throws it out to Svee and... Uh, I, that was one example in the in the blog that I did that he threw out to Svi and Svi actually had an advantage on his defender because everybody was sagged so much in to get to Josh Ch- or to get to to Frank and and give him defensive attention that it opened up something for somebody else. So again, that's the Jesse Newell prism. Now here's the flip side of the Jesse Newell prism that I will say to you. Uh, go ahead and give me right now Josh Jackson's turnover rate through two games. Who man. Uh... I don't think he's turned it over yet, has he? 0.0%. So yeah. the other statistical side of Jesse saying this is like, hey, uh, yeah, that's a really bad shot, but it is a shot, and KU for a while was having trouble getting shots. And this team, to me, and I almost put this in the Frank Mason article, but it was getting long anyway, and there were so many gifts in there, it was crashing my computer. So, <laughs> uh, but, but I also wanted to say this. With as good of a front court as KU has and playing four guards and giving your team more offensive freedom to make plays like like Frank Mason is starting to do and like Josh Jackson is starting to do with these four up and five up plays, there very much is the potential for there to be more shots and fewer turnovers. And if there's more shots and fewer turnovers, especially for a Bill Self team, Bill Self throughout the years, his teams tend to have maybe a little bit higher turnover percentage than you would expect from an elite level team. KU could get better offensively just from that number sense as well, just by having better ball handlers and giving his players more freedom to take shots rather than moving the ball, moving the ball, moving the ball, maybe turning it over and losing out on some possessions that way. Yeah, it's, it's one reason why this team will, will thrive if they can kind of play a little faster and get out in transition because you have so many guys that are just you know built to, to play in the open court. But uh, here's, here's a stat we should keep, Jesse, and, and between the two of us, I think we could keep track of it. And, um, you know... We, maybe we can take turns on it, but I I actually think Josh Jackson's a better shooter off the dribble than he is off the catch, which goes against basketball logic. But for him, I I, I think he is, and I think we should keep track of Josh Jackson jumpers um, off the dribble and off the catch this year. And you know, after maybe t- ten games or so, we can we can throw that stat out when there's actually a decent sample size. I wouldn't be surprised. My, my my prediction is that he's he ends up shooting a higher percentage off the dribble than the catch. My prediction is you are absolutely wrong on this one. Abs- <laughs> absolutely wrong. That that yeah. is so rare for a player to do that. So, so rare, but I I think he is 
I think he might be the exception to the rule. I think for for some reason he gets in a better rhythm. This is this is what I've noticed just from watching him in a handful of games that he gets a better rhythm off the bounce than he does off the catch. And his his like long um, kind of hitch that he has, like his pre-release hitch, I think is is worse when he does when he does catch and shoot than than when he's off the dribble. So we'll see. I could be totally wrong, but you with me? You're gonna help me keep track of this. We'll we'll keep keep track of it uh, by the game, and we, we can just keep it on the email on an email chain. Um, each game yeah, what he does as long as we get the video but yeah even right now i think you're you're thinking i test here because i i mean the one remember that bill self hated the three-pointer he made that was a spot up i know and then i remember him this might have been exhibition season but off a pull-up dribble i remember he shot an air ball uh in that maybe that was that same game exhibition doesn't count we're just gonna go on the the regular season games oh okay okay (laughs) no that would be fascinating to look at and actually you're probably giving me more blog topics to look at even though it's the busiest time of my schedule so thanks a lot cj (laughs) can you back i'll I'll help i'll help you with this i'll help you with this i'll you know we now we know to, to to watch for it and we can just make notes as as we're watching this game okay you know that was off the bounce that was off the catch i like that well and here's the thing too going switching gears a little bit here I mentioned this in the blog. I would encourage people to check it out. Just Google KC star Frank Mason, Jesse Newell. You'll find it. It's uh, it's about KU's five-up play. But, you know, I think we have to change our expectations for Frank Mason. Now, the one caveat is he's healthy right now, and we've seen him wear down a little bit over the course of the season. He's not the biggest guy. He falls a lot, all those sorts of things. But the way KU has spread the floor, now he has that one fewer defender, that one fewer big man, one less big man inside to have to put up his shot against. I think we need to adjust our expectations for him. I think right now, clearly, he should be KU's leading scorer this year. Do you agree with that? I mean, do you think with the way they're playing right now, the score guard look, that that, that is what he's going to be for this year's team? Yeah, and, you know, it's funny as, as like, as we were getting closer to the season, and I thought back to our draft, I'm like, man, if I had it to do over again, I would take a Frank Mason number one. And these first two games have played out like that. Like, I, you know, I don't think he's going to average what's he got right now, 26 or 25.5 a game. Is that right? 25 and a half. Yeah, 25. You know, obviously he's not going to average that, but um, yeah, I, I do think he's going to end up being the leading scorer, but just because he can focus less on being a point guard this year. And, and kind of more on his offense a little bit because he's got two, you know, basically two other point guards out there in Graham and Jackson. I mean, Jackson in a lot of ways plays. He has the skill set that's, that's kind of like a point guard. He just happens to be a really tall one. Yeah, well, it's going to be fascinating to watch here with him. I, I do want to mention Carlton Bragg. Just overall thoughts on him. He plays 16 minutes last night. I had some big plays late, including a jumper that KU really needed. Nine points. Five rebounds, three for five shooting. His offensive efficiency numbers look great, but again, it seems like it's not providing exactly what Bill Self wants in terms of both defense and toughness and defensive rebounding. So, uh, a little bit conflicted with uh, what Carlton Bragg is right now. I, what, what have you seen from him? Yeah, I thought I thought he was better last night. I, I thought he defended better, and um, even got like a grown ass man, <laughs> grown man rebound. There, I think. Gosh the, darn it, yeah. CJ! Every time I've been able to click not click clean on the podcast. Oh, sorry. And now I'm gonna have to click explicit just for this one time. I can't say ass. I can't say that. You just did. Oh darn okay, it! Now we both said it. Grown ass man. Okay, <laughs> I, can, I can officially click the button. Sorry for all the uh, for all the grade schoolers out there, or, or all the parents listening to this in the car. I'm sorry. 
Yeah, my, my, my bad on that. Um, I'll, I'll try to, to clean it up. And, uh, you know, the, the, the baseline jumper that he hits is probably the second biggest shot of the game behind Franks. I mean, that, that, that ended up being huge there late in the, in the clock, shot clock. Um, but, no, I, th- I thought he was better. I, I think he's starting to defend a little better. I think he's playing, starting to play with a little more toughness. Obviously, I think, you know, it's going to get better. But I think the, the Bill Self – messages are starting to get through and he's and he's starting to get it like he wasn't awesome last night but he was he was serviceable i thought the the, the biggest revelation to me in that game was yudoka as a bouquet is is better right now than i thought he would be in terms of kind of just understanding where to be understanding kind of how to, he's 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 grown he's grown a lot in the last couple of weeks just from those exhibition games and kind of learning how to play with you know granted he had four fouls last night but i think he's getting a lot better at learning how to play without fouling he's going to foul a lot but not maybe n- as bad as it would have been if, if they would have played this game two weeks ago and um you know any any offense you get out of him is gravy i'm, I'm not sure how i feel about them throwing him the ball on post-ups like i would just throw him lobs and let him finish wide open <laughs> dunks and his hands aren't great. Like that speed pass was tough that he, he didn't, he wasn't able to handle. That was a tough pass, but like most, most guys should probably be able to catch that. So, so there's some, there's some holes to his game, but like what he gave them last night, they'll take that every single game. Like he, he was, he was a huge part of, of helping them. And I mean, the, the, the biggest concern for, for like, like the, the depth on the perimeter is is probably as as good as they've had in in, in a while, I think, just because that he has so much trust right now, or he should at least in Vic and Svi, that you know having having five perimeter players like that's pretty good to have five perimeter players you can you can rely on. What's killing them is is that they don't have the bigs, they don't have the depth up front, and Jawai Colby like turning into basically like a he, to me he moves like a fifty year old man. Would you agree with that, Jesse? I just. He's just lost his explosiveness. I mean, he's just yeah. not, he's non-explosive. His his knee like hasn't responded to to with the surgery or whatever. I mean, he he looks like an old man. So you know, and he was a pretty good athlete from what I remember at Ole Miss. So I think that's probably the one thing that that they're kicking themselves up. The the coaching staffs kicking themselves is that they don't have like one more body to throw out there, and it, it would be Colby's job if if he could just move. But I don't think he can move right now. Like I, from what I've seen out of him, like he's just the knee hasn't responded or or whatever's happened. He just hasn't bounced back like he should have. So I think they could use one more body, but that's what makes Udoka, you know, providing meaningful minutes so important. I've got another trivia question for you, CJ. I want you to tell me. I know you don't have Ken Palm pulled up 24 hours a day like I do, so I'll go ahead and ask the question since you don't have it pulled up and you can't cheat. Yudoka Azubuki's defensive rebounding percentage, and for those people out there, this is the percent of available defensive rebounds that he grabs when he's in the game. So if there's a, mi- if, if there's a, miss, if there's a miss shot, this is the percentage of times he grabs the ball. And 20% is like elite, wouldn't you say? Yeah, 20 to 25%. Let me look at, yeah, Around there is elite. I think Landon Lucas, let me look at him real quick last year. He was an elite defensive rebounder, yeah, and he was at 25.5%. That was 42nd nationally. So 25% is elite. Uh, 20% is really good. I'd say since nobody else is really grabbing rebounds, I know he had a lot last night. You know, obviously this is ridiculously small sample size, so it's going to be like a stupid number. Um, 37. 52%. 
52%. So, <laughs> I knew it was going to be a stupid number. So when, yeah. so when the opponents miss a shot and and Yudoka Azabuki is in the game, it's more likely that he grabs it than any of the other nine players on the court. <laughs> yeah, no, that's that's really good. Obviously, he will not be able to keep that up. But uh, If no, he, he does, he re- MVP all the way. What's that? If he does, MVP all the way. Just give him Big 12 Player of the Year. He will be Ken Palm's Player of the Year (laughs) if he does that. Um, No, no, no. I mean, he he rebounded like like a like a man last night. I guess I could could say the other one since I've already screwed this up, right? Like a GA man, okay? Yeah, like a like a GA man. I mean, um, we probably should have thrown. We might as well throw in like a B on Frank Mason at this point. But. He, uh, yeah, his his rebounding was 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 awesome, and, and and I thought that's probably the the biggest plus out of the. I mean, there's there's several pluses out of these first two games, but um, him him pl- him playing above my expectations for, for me is 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 something that you know that's probably the biggest plus I wasn't maybe expecting. Yeah, let's look ahead here real quick. Ten games now for KU left in the non-conference schedule before the Big 12 play starts. I know they still have that game at Kentucky in the middle of the Big 12 schedule with the Big 12 SEC Challenge. But, you know, I I posted this on Twitter last night, and KU's win percentages for those, uh, 90%, I'm sorry, 94%, 90%, 99%, 98%, 98%, 92%, 94%, 91%, 93%. 93%. So it looks like KU will not lose – uh, until 2017, barring a, a pretty major upset either at mm-hmm. home or at Sprint Center or a, a huge, huge upset at UNLV since they're just a team that, that is so down this year. But oh. uh, I, I, you, you mentioned this point earlier, and uh, you just did mention this point. I think this is the biggest thing for KU in these next 10 games. Develop depth behind uh, Landon Lucas and Carlton Bragg develop front court depth, and again, whether that means that Yudoka gets in better shape and can play even more minutes, whether that means Mitch Lightfoot is less jittery and and can just kind of uh, be a solid contributor out there, whether that means Dwight Colby becomes more explosive, that to me is mission number one for KU over these next ten games is to develop some of that front court depth so that when foul trouble does happen or even if an injury does happen, that there is some coverage there. And here's the thing: it doesn't really matter in the NCAA tournament, like maybe it will in, in one game or something because of foul trouble. But you're going to play like a smaller rotation in, in meaningful games anyway. But where it where it really matters for KU is just eating up men- – this this sounds weird that you want front court depth for your guards, but if when, when those guys can't get on the floor, it makes it so Self has to play Frank Mason, Devontae Graham, huge minutes. Because obviously they're going to go, you know, they're going to go smaller for longer periods of time, which makes them have to play more minutes. So that's where I think it's most important. Just if they need to get Graham and Mason in these games that, you know, they're going to win no matter what, they should be playing like 27 to 30 minutes per game, not 37 to 40. Yeah, and that, that's what we'll see, I'm sure, against like Siena. You know, Siena actually is a top 100 Ken Palm team, but KU, not bad. K, yeah. KU favored by 17 uh, in as or as far as the projections go on Ken Palm. So again, uh, Bill Self, you know, you saw it last night. You exactly what you said. Frank Mason, 35 minutes. Devonte got the 40 minus, and a, kind of a funny quote from Bill Self afterwards. I guess without five minutes left, Devonte Graham basically told Self that he couldn't play. You know, he had the cramps pop it up again, and and Bill just said, just go stand in the corner. Like I'm not taking you out, and so. 
that was one of the reasons that Frank Mason kept driving late is because Devontae Graham basically couldn't do anything. He just stood in the corner on offense because he, he had those cramps redeveloped, which is a weird thing. I You know, he's basically battled this every game of the season. Uh, so, I, I mean, they're getting the nutritionist involved with, with Devontae, but this is a, a weird problem, and it's it's sort of kind of serious. I mean, you, you can't have him cramping up. I mean, it's it's kind of a... A helpless feeling when you cramp up late in the game and and you can't help your team so that's going to be a fascinating thing moving forward but uh any other things that you think KU really needs to harp on or focus on the next 10 games like I said not that KU can't lose any of these games it's just it's very likely that KU is going to have a lot of opportunity to work on certain things to develop a lot more uh, than the team we saw against Indiana and Duke uh, I think a couple things. I think you need to get Carlton Bragg playing however it is Bill Self wants him to play, like developing confidence for him, getting him used to his role. Um, I think that's probably number one on my list of, of things that like they, they're going to want out of these next 10 games. Um, number two, I think Vic and Svee, them, them getting confidence. Like I thought Svee played really, really, really well last night. Um, all except missing that three open three he had late, and then you know the the gimme layup at the end, which awesome offensive rebound, and, the, and then he just misses a layup, like you know whatever happens. But I, I you know I think Vic last night, um, you could see on all his jumpers like there there just wasn't the confidence there, and and you know we've seen Jesse from watching him in a couple handful of times this summer, then in the in the preseason like the dude can shoot like, but for I think it's still you know he's still kind of getting his feet under him getting used to playing in in college basketball games so getting him going you know as as a as a reliable option um is is big and then and then just you know also Udoka him getting comfortable so really I say those four guys are 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 the guys that are important for for I think the long term I think Jackson's going to get it going and, and going to get things figured out I think he started to last night so the fact that a freshman is starting to figure it out in the second half of the second game of the year like that's that's a pretty good sign even even though he is the number one player in the country like he's he's still a freshman it's still his second college game one other point I want to bring up and I'll go ahead and play trivia with you here because people at home can play the trivia right along uh, with you it's been crazy the two-point and three-point disparity for KU this year. There's only one player out of the rotation who has shot worse than 50% on two-pointers. Can you name who that is? Uh, probably Udoka. Udoka, three for eight, correct. And that's amazing that nobody else on the team has shot le- or worse than 50%. Okay, now there's one player on the team who has shot better than 25% from three. Can you name that person? Josh Jackson. You uh, you pulled up Ken Palm, you cheater. No, I didn't. Oh you my already god! T- you already talked about wow. this earlier. I was like, I was like, he he. Um, we I already said I think he shoots forty percent from three, right? Yeah, you you knew it. Okay. We already we already had talked about this. Well, and that, um, that is another thing. Also, that- the crazy stat, Jesse. Let's 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 pull this up quick. So I'm I'm sure you know it right off the top of their, your head. What if K, what's KU opponents? The first first two KU opponents. What have they shot from three? To combine. Ooh, uh, I have no idea. I'm going to guess 36%. Uh, no, no, no. So the first game was, let's just do the math. Oh, here it is. Oh, here it is. Yeah, I pulled it up. 46%. So it's 15 of 31, and I want to, but let's see how many threes made, too. Um, Duke made 8 of 19 last night. So that makes would it you math say easy. Four- yeah, 23 of 50 would be 46%. 
Yeah, so y- you give up 46% from three in your first two games, and Kansas shoots two of 17 last night and seven of 23 the first night. So can, can you do that percentage real quick in your head? 23%. So KU shoots 23% from three in its first two games, gives up 46% on the other side, and is like a bucket away from being 2-0. <laughs> it's pretty crazy. Well, I mean, you got to be pretty happy with that. Yeah. Well, and I had a lot of people, you know, responding to me and talking about the three-point shooting or whatever. Look, KU's going to need three-pointers. It's going to come. They're going to need them, and they've got shooters. Uh, today's college basketball, you can't be one-dimensional. You basically can't be. So, um you know, the Frank Mason driving lanes will start to shut down a little bit when teams figure out that KU shoots no threes. So uh, it's just like anything else. It's like in football. You got to, you know, you, you run a lot and you open up the play action pass. And uh, in, in basketball, if Frank Mason just keeps dominating, he's going to draw some help and he's going to kick it out. And Speed's got to make the three and Gerald's got to make the three. And everything moves in that sort of way. So uh, KU's going to have open threes. I think they've got enough shooters to be a good shooting team. Two games is way too small of a sample to throw the baby out with the bathwater, but that will be another thing to watch in the next 10 games. How well will KU shoot it? How confidently will KU shoot it? And also, how much will KU shoot it? Because I'm still of the belief that this KU team needs to shoot quite a few threes, especially with the space to the floor offense they have, where teams are going to start to adjust and say, okay, we'll take away Frank Mason uh, on his drive and, and make you guys shoot from three and, and prove KU to, see if KU can do that. We'll, we'll see how much of the offensive adjustment uh, not only happens for KU, but then happens defensively against KU with Frank Mason taking over the leading scoring role. Yeah, and it's it's one of the best three point shooting teams I think Self will ever have. Like I think that's how it's going to work out. Like I mean, Frank Mason's sixteen point seven percent from three so far. He's he's going to be like a thirty eight percent three point shooter. Yeah, he's around forty for his career. Devonte, what's Devonte for his career? He's like ridiculous amount of percentage. He's twenty five so far to this year. He's at forty two for his career. So if he, sh- I mean, he, I expect him to shoot close to that again. Maybe not that high, but close to that. Um, Svee's twenty five percent so far. You expect him to be like mid thirties or so. Um, Vic is is fourteen percent. Like like I said, I I feel like he's just kind of nervous at this point. He's he's gonna get his get get used to being out there and and you know making shots. So once he gets going, I think he's gonna be a, a in the thir- in the mid thirties probably as well. So. I think this has the potential to, to you know, be one of it, Bill Self's best shooting teams. So that, that's not really a concern. That's that's super small sample size type data so far. Well, like I said, if nothing else, it's a lot of fun to watch these early season games. Not as much riding on them, but I think uh, that's what one of the kind of the perks of college basketball is that you can take on Indiana and Duke and know that even if 0-2 happened, that it's not going to define your season. So fun to watch these two teams play. Fun to talk about something with KU basketball and to see how the Carlton Braggs, the Josh Jacksons, the Frank Masons are developing into their roles. And man, this is going to be a fun season to watch. I mean, let's just be honest. This team is probably going to go on at least a 10 or 11 game winning streak from here and, and we'll see how all the pieces fit by the end but uh, be sure to check out CJ's coverage on Bleach Report he had a great breakdown of KU Duke before the game uh, doing lots of look into Duke's lineups and small ball and KU and some of the things we've talked about on here and then also at the star we have KUHoops.com out and the new KU Hoops app that uh, I've gotten a lot of good feedback on but a place to get all your free news and stories and podcasts and everything free coverage of KU Hoops just as long as you can click on the ads and make sure that I get at least one paycheck a month I know that uh, (laughs) CJ you prefer to have at least one paycheck a month too the kids appreciate that 
Yeah, it'd be nice. I, I also, I believe, have a Landon Lucas article that'll hit Bleach Report Monday night. I still haven't written that, so let's hope that happens. <laughs> but uh, it's it's supposed to be on the site on Tuesday. So um, got that to uh, to look forward to. I need to I need to write that thing at some point. I don't know when I'm going to do that, Jesse, but <laughs> I've got a deadline of Monday. So so hopefully hopefully I can tur- turn that out. I love you saying first that you believe that it was going to happen when you're the one in charge of it. And I love, I love second that you're, you're kind of talking up the story, which is what you should do when it hasn't been written yet. So you don't even know if it's good yet, but you're talking about how good of a story it is. So I love no, that. No, I didn't say it was going to be good. I just said it was going to be a story. <laughs> <laughs> well, it was, listen, you can't even guarantee that at this point. We don't even know if it's going to be a story come Monday. Yeah, but I'll, I'll, I'll churn it out. I'll, I'll, I'll get it going. Okay. Um, yeah. <laughs> Sounds good. Any, Jesse, Jesse, before we go, any good uh, New York stories how, or Hawaii? Like, how, how were these? How was, I mean, you've got some some miles you've, you've put on your, your body this, <laughs> this last week. How was it, man? Yeah, no, it was it was good. I mean, the most memorable part, honestly, was uh, getting to Honolulu. We got uh, special permission to go on the base, uh, Pearl Harbor Hickam, with uh, Joint Base Pearl Harbor Hickam with the team as they. Uh, toward the USS Chafee, which is a missile destroyer out there, and, and it was just kind of a surreal experience, kind of walking around with the team as they got to see how the anchor worked and how the the cannon worked, and and go up and the, the stairs basically go straight down on these destroyers, as you can imagine, because uh, to get down, you know, the, basically the ship goes straight down. So it was kind of funny trying to not only see the players try to get you know duck their heads down and go straight down these. These stairs that are like four inches long, and you're thinking, "Oh my gosh, this could be a disaster." But it's kind of Gary. Yeah, it was even kind of funny trying to see me or Gary go down these stairs because we weren't doing too well with it either. But uh, actually, they took away our cell phones too for one part where uh, it was kind of like the combat room inside, and it looks like it looked like a little bit uh, sort of the the commercials that you see online, maybe for the Navy with like the radar going around. It's kind of a dimly lit room with all the stations around where people sit, nice. and I mean, it was just. It was kind of a surreal feeling. It's like a rush of adrenaline that you can feel if the pressure was amped up, how you would be kind of in the moment and, and with your team and that sort of thing. So a very cool experience. I know a lot of the players enjoyed it. Josh Jackson kind of walked out and kind of saw a view of uh, of Honolulu. Yudoka Azubuki was very interested in the binoculars that saw 13 <laughs> miles away. So, you know, he was really into it. And so I think a very different experience for the players. And I wrote about this at the time. Came on a, a little bit of a crazy day too, because if you remember, they toured that and and saw all these soldiers did all these patriotic things the day after election day, and obviously yeah. the election was a very uh, you know controversial emotional moment for a lot of people, and especially in the sports world that day, you know that you know Steve Kerr and Stan Van Gundy both came out and 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 said very public comments about how their teams were reacting to what had happened. So a very interesting kind of dynamic on that day. I, I think the players really got a pr- an appreciation for the military, what they do, for what happens on that ship. A very long day, uh, over 11 hours when KU was uh, was touring that and going around the base and doing a, a kids clinic and all that. But I think definitely worth it. And then they flew on uh, to New York and went to Ground Zero. So I think a very educational and um, an experience that those guys will remember for a long time. But a very cool thing to just kind of be even a side note a part of to, to be along with the team on that and just to kind of see how they reacted to it and then to see something else different for me because, I mean, I know I have a friend who was uh, stationed in the um, in the military, in the Navy. He was 
actually, I think he lived about two or three miles from where we were on that joint air, on that joint base there at Pearl Harbor Hickam. So it was cool to to kind of see a different side of life and a different side uh, these people that are are there and and serving their country. So uh, something you just don't see every day. I think a lot of people take a lot from that experience and know a little bit more about what goes into the military and what goes into to what happens every single day uh, on on one of those bases. Yeah, cool when you. A perk of being one of the best college basketball programs in the country is you get to do stuff like that. I mean, not not all these teams get get those experiences, and that's that's pretty neat. And also, you know, a perk for you as as a beat writer. Now, last week when I talked to you and you were in Hawaii, you had yet to see the beach. Did you actually? Please tell me you at least step foot in the <laughs> sand at some point, because if I, not, you're just a failure in life. I did the last day. Yes, Gary and right. I, there's a very Good famous uh, restaurant on Honolulu. It's called Duke's. So we went to for lunch there, and then I told Gary, I said, I have to go walk down the beach you know, in my bare feet to at least say that I did it over Good. this four-day trip. So able to do that, but yeah, I mean, Honolulu, just perfect weather, uh, great place, and kind of the Vegas of uh, Hawaii, kind of a – you know, you have Saks Fifth Avenue, you got Coach, you've got all Cheesecake Factory. It's kind of a surreal place to be uh, when you're in Hawaii. So uh, very commercialized, but a very cool thing to do. And like I said, I'm sure the players all had a great experience as well. Nice, nice. That's that's. Uh, I go glad you set foot on the beach, Jesse. I was I was going to be disappointed, and you, you you're probably a little redder because of it. But uh, you know, I'm glad you were able to, to pull that off. I know to keep my son intake down, so I kept it about 20 <laughs> minutes because uh, otherwise, yeah, I'm I'm one of two shades, either white or red, and I at least remained white after this trip. So that's that's very good for me. Well, thanks everyone out there for checking out the Sport Beat KC podcast. Be sure to tune in for another episode next week.